0: Ship. All right. I hope you had an excellent Thanksgiving, uh, and I hope that you had a good holiday while you were out. We uh, traveled with family and had a really good time. I'm gonna move this down just a touch. And uh, good to be back. Good to be back uh, in Tupelo again for the for a little bit. I uh, came back from traveling and then went straight out of town Start start the week. So it was good to be back in town this week, back to, down, to back in town today. Uh, I have two prayer requests and then one um, praise. Uh, as you have probably heard, uh, Austin, Will, Austin Wentz, which is Wilda's uh, grandson, uh, has leukemia. He's uh, been diagnosed with that this week uh, and is under treatments. Uh, my understanding from what I have seen and heard so far, though I have not talked to Wilda uh, personally, is that first procedures have gone well, uh, and overall prognosis um, is promising, but it will be, as all cancers are, it will be a little bit of a long road uh, for him for the next uh, several months, uh, and that will end up being a few years there. Uh, next up is Johnny Parker uh, has a kidney stone that they tried to do lithotripsy on, which is where they blow it up and that failed, uh, so they're going to have to do a little bit more aggressive procedures, and that's all I'm going to say. If you've ever had a kidney stone, nothing about that's fun. we're about to be going again. Okay. All right. Everybody hear me now? Good. Okay. So uh, anyways, what I was saying was Estes did have cataract surgery. That went well. Um, anyone else need to be added to the prayer request list tonight? I see something back there. Mm. Okay, Elder, where? West Virginia. Baldwitz? Baldwitz. Okay, got you now. It's so weird, and I don't know that this was designed on purpose, but I feel like audio goes this way so much better than it goes this way in this room. It's really weird. Anyways, I saw another hand go up back here somewhere. Okay. All right. Keep that family in your prayers anything else Yes Okay All right, I heard blood pressure problem with delivery coming in early, but I didn't catch the name. Okay, what what was the name of the mom? Shayna Williams. Okay, Shayna Williams looks like birth is imminent, starting a little early, but looks like birth is imminent. Otherwise, all right. Any other prayer request? All right, let's go to our God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for all that you have given us, Lord. We thank you for the avenue of prayer, the ability to come out and to study your word, the ability to bring uh, the names that have been called tonight uh, before your throne. We pray that you'll be with them, that those that are sick, we pray that you will help them to become well, those that are facing, facing both short-term illnesses and longer-term illnesses. Lord, we pray that you'll be with them and help those treatments to be effective. For those that have lost loved ones, Heavenly Father, we pray that you will uh, comfort those families, uh, protect them, Heavenly Father. Lord, we pray that you will be with uh, those that are uh, bringing children into the earth right now we pray that you will help that those uh, that that will go well and that the babies will be healthy heavenly father lord we pray all through all through everyone that is here uh, that as we have these discussions tonight heavenly father that we will uh, equip and prepare uh, these souls heavenly father uh, for for battle with the evil one lord and we pray that we will have our 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 word seasoned with salt that we will always be ready to give an account, and that we will uh, represent you as we should. Lord, we love you and we thank you for uh, your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right. So, last week, excuse me, two weeks ago, uh, some things started. And I don't know if y'all have picked up on this, but how many times has my batteries died on my mic? Every time. I don't know what the odds of that are, but it's getting kind of weird. Two weeks ago, Jeremy walks up and tells me that the camera's dead. Okay? Tonight, he walks up and tells me that the soundboard, because I was wanting to do something with the audience that's watching, remotely, that it's dead. I'm just going to read Ephesians 6 for the context of what we are dealing with right now. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take you into the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. I'm not saying that we're discussing a topic that someone or something or some spirit doesn't want discussed, but it's about to get annoying. How many IT issues have we run into since this class started? I just find that very intriguing, and and my kids make fun of me because I do things uh, along those lines. Last night, uh, because I had to work the early shift at work, I left out. So Tristan had a had a junior varsity game in, in Morville. So normally I would stay and watch all four games, but last night I left early and I had because I had to go to bed and. So as soon as, as soon as the JV game was over with, Isaac and I left. My wife never wears pants with pockets. It's a problem. Uh, so she hands me her phone all the time. So her phone gets dropped in my pocket. I leave, Tristan instantly starts calling me, to turn around, you have mom's phone. And when I remarked, I said, it's okay, the good Lord's just keeping us from an accident. And what I have learned, I've shared that with you before, but I think... That sometimes we don't realize the things that are going on around us. And so I share that with you, that as we have these discussions, when stuff like this happens, we're just going to roll with it. When microphone batteries die, we're going to keep rolling forward. When cameras die, we're going to keep rolling forward. And when these things happen, we're going we're to know that we're going to give credit where credit is or is not due to either direction, because we just simply don't know. Uh, but as you know, we have reviewed a lot of text. And... We set the foundation for for the standard for why we believe that abortion is a sin. And there are multiple contexts. Two weeks ago, the one that I pointed to was in Exodus, where we reviewed that the midwives were afraid of God. And I, I mentioned that there's not a greater argument against partial birth abortion than that commandment. And that when the government issues a decree that is unlawful, we are to fear God more than we fear the government. And I mentioned that, and with this particular issue is unique because the government says this is legal, and that doesn't mean it's okay. And so, whenever we get into these issues and these types of things, we need to be aware that we need to fear God, and so we need to make sure that we know which side of the which side of the argument we should be on. And I think we have we have built the case through the text that we reviewed that. The life that is put inside of a woman to to mature and become a child is a sovereign being very early on. That God niches that together, that he stitches that together, that he designs that body, and there are multiple cases where he says, I knew you before you were even in the womb. Meaning that your life in God's eyes, your soul was apparently, and I don't know how this works, was apparently created before you were even created. I don't know how that works. Right? But that's okay, I don't have to understand it. But from a Christian standpoint, I think we have plenty of context for that. I think, though, where we lack, and we've talked about a good bit in this course, we don't prepare ourselves for conversations in real-world scenarios. And that's what we're going to do a lot of tonight. I was supposed to talk for 15 minutes, and I talked for, like, 40, uh, because I went over a lot of deep context stuff. And I want to mention a couple of things. I have never... In all the classes I have taught, and I, I've taught for some time now, but never, never in the past 20 years have I been hung up after services discussing a topic the way this particular topic has hung me up. Now, I am not complaining. I actually give, I'm actually admonishing you because the feedback I'm receiving is extraordinarily positive and encouraging, and you're sharing things with me, positive, negative, etc. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that it is clear this topic is striking a chord, right? And as we discuss this, the class has already given me our next topic. And so we'll talk about what that's going to be in just a few minutes, because we may get into that next week, if we can get through our scenarios tonight. But I want to make sure that when I go one direction with a topic, I want to make sure that we never go too far in that one direction. What am I talking about? I went over Luke 15, and I hit it hard because I think oftentimes, oftentimes we get so fixated on pregnancy, and if there's a sin that surrounds pregnancy, that we get so fixated on the sin, we forget there was a choice in this country. And we may not like that there's a choice, but we shouldn't stick our heads in the sand and pretend there's not. Because here's the deal in the vast majority of cases, you only know about the pregnancies that are retained. I'm going to say that again. You only know about the ones that are retained. Now, I'm going to mention her name real quick. I avoided it last week intentionally, but Missy and I had a lengthy conversation. Of course, most of you know what Missy does. We had lengthy conversations about this, and and some of it was eye-opening for me, and we're going to talk about some of those things that we talked about Because she's having conversations in these scenarios. And she can bring experience to this scenario that we wouldn't normally be able to tap into. And so I really appreciated the time that she and I spent discussing this particular topic and how it affects her job on a day-to-day basis. And I'll also say that I was encouraged by how she chooses to use her influence as a Christian. Because you can go either direction. You can go cowardice and go straight medical, which is you have three options. And just say you can abort, you can keep, or you can adopt. And you're completely neutral. Or you can go, let's talk about your two options. Or you can say there's three options, but this third one, you really don't want to go there. That one takes courage. So I was encouraged to hear that there are health professionals that do that. In the last year, I have been extraordinarily disappointed in a lot of my healthcare brothers and sisters in so many ways for not having courage, for not speaking up and telling people what's actually going on and what they need to do with their lives. And so, it was encouraging to see to see that. And as some other people came up and they, what I loved is, is they, they brought up a, a point that I was wanting to go to, but I didn't know that I'd have time, so we're gonna make sure we make time for it today. And, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie where Thanos is an Avenger and all, that, or he's not an Avenger. He fights the Avengers, and he loves balance. And he puts this thing on his finger, and I can't do it with this band, There's no way. There we go. And he just loved the fact that he had this knife he could balance on his finger. In all of life, there is balance. The devil never wants us to have balance. He wants there to be extremes because if there's extremes, there's fights. Anytime there's an extreme, there's a fight. Now, what's the opposite of Luke 15? Well, you can be forgiving, but you can also cross the line and celebrate sin. And so we need to be very cautious with that. Now, what do I mean by that? At what point are we more concerned, at what point do we cross over where we're more concerned if you have a 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old young lady and her friend gets pregnant and we do all the stuff that surrounds that? And I mean all of it. I'm talking about we, we shoot confetti in the air, at the gender revealing, we do all this stuff. The fear is, and I think it's a, it's a legitimate fear, that that may encourage the act of getting pregnant. We don't want to do that. We do not want to do that. But we sure enough need to celebrate the decision of life. Because she did have a choice. So we had to be very careful in how we meter that, and I, and I was asked, well, what about showers? What about this that the church does? I was not ducking the question when I said, I'm not an elder, I'm not gonna discuss that. What the church does is separate and apart from my own personal opinion. In fact, my opinion has nothing to do with it. What do I mean by that? The elders are entrusted to find that balance. And we'll have to trust their wisdom as to the balance that they choose in whatever way they choose to do it. You as an individual still have the autonomy and the liberty to be supportive in whatever way you so choose, regardless of what the church does. If we do or do not have a shower, that particular discussion, does not mean you are not permitted to take care and support that child the way you would do a normal birth. If you have think it does, I don't think any elder here would say that that's the case. Because we need to celebrate that. But that's the balance to this. And so if you hear me pushing hard one way, it's okay to come up and go... I get it, but we need to be cautious too. And, I, and I, I wanted to understand, there's balance to both sides of that discussion. But what I find interesting is, is, if you remember the first scenario, it was someone that had committed sin and was considering abortion. That was scenario one. Scenario two was they had made a mistake, they had sinned, they had gotten pregnant, they had chosen life, and they had repented. I think there's a different rejoicing and different standard for that individual. Frankly, I do. I think think we have very strong scriptural context that when they come home, we are to celebrate. Now, I will stand very firm on that point. When they come home, we are to celebrate. Now, what I'll base that on, go back to Luke 15. You can't get past Luke 15. You can't just whitewash and pretend it's not there. The concern with the balance is scenario three. They make the sin mistake... They make the right choice, but they see nothing wrong in what they did. So That's the third scenario we are going to discuss today. And that's the balance to this, which is, they have sinned, they have no concern for the sin, but they have at least made the right decision in the abortion, and the fact that they chose life. So here is your five-minute discussion topic. How do you praise someone for choosing life, but admonish them to repent of the sin they have in their life, which is fornication? Okay, we got one already. With love, absolutely. I agree 100%. You have five minutes. Partner up, talk to someone, have a discussion real quick. You have five minutes. They have made a mistake, they've made a good choice, but there's still an issue we need to address. All right, go. for participation just a second. Um, I just had a phenomenal conversation with a young man that I don't know well enough, but I, I find what the conversation was extremely, was very wise. I will say that. Um, before I share uh, what he said and what what his thoughts were on that. It's not working. Um, Guy, are you ready to let us know what happened in the back? By the way, that's my third pen I've tried, for the record. Trying to make sure I make notes of the conversation I just had, so I share it with y'all, and literally three pens in a row won't give me any. Okay, all right, go ahead, guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 Yeah. Excellent. So, to summarize what Guy was saying, you've got to start. A conversation. You've got to applaud the fact they made the right choice, but at the same time, you have to make sure they understand just because you've crossed that line once, doesn't mean you keep crossing the line. Because there's only one place that sexual intercourse is permitted between human beings, and that's under, under the marriage bond. It's the only place it's legal, under God's eyes. And so, we have to make sure we mark that, and I don't think we appreciate both, once someone has, has crossed that line, if they're teenagers and they're doing that for the first time, or they've been married and spouses died or they're divorced or whatever, how much fornication occurs in adults? And I'm not talking 20-year-olds. I'm talking 30, 40, 50, 60-year-olds. Okay? I'm not trying to leave out 70s or 80-year-olds. That was just a gamut. It happens more than people actually want to admit and realize and actually acknowledge. It's something we're going to discuss Uh Next, that's going to be our next topic, actually, is fornication, because someone was like, if we're talking about abortion, why don't we take one step back and try to get ahead of it? And I agree 100% with that. So we're going to discuss that, and there's so many facets of that particular issue of sexual immorality, like, literally could fill up the whole rest of the course. Uh, But anyways, thank you for that. Quick question, Stephen, because I know I can hear you from back there. What is your conversation starter? The hardest part is opening your mouth. So, how do you actually start talking? Let's just say there's sin in their life, period. It doesn't have to be what we're talking about, just any sin. So Stephen said he would start a conversation with, would you mind taking a few moments to discuss with me after the because, because your soul is the most precious thing you have. I, I know I butchered that to some extent, but I think that was gist of what Stephen said. What is the fear, and let's be honest with ourselves, what is the fear that you have that the answer to that question is going to be? What's the worst they could possibly say to you? Kerry, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm standing 20 feet from you. That didn't hurt me at all. Did y'all catch that? That statement, none of your business, you know, mind your own stuff, etc., that didn't hurt me at all. Now, for some reason, we're terrified of that. Now, we may also be terrified. It may ruin a relationship. Right? I think we have sometimes concerns like, well, this is my friend. We're close. I don't want to create turmoil within the relationship. Stephen? Yes. The song that came to my mind when you were saying that was that you never mentioned him to me. And we think of that as a, as a complete non-believer, but at the same time, I think it applies to these scenarios too. I went to church with all these folks, they knew I had an issue, and no one even said so much as said a word to me about it. No one ever tried to help, no one ever tried to realize, etc. I think one of the most powerful conversation starters, and it's one I use a good bit at work whenever I'm trying to start a conversation, and this is going to sound weird, If you start with your own confession, if you make yourself vulnerable, people are instantly more comfortable with you. Now, why do I say that? There's a scriptural basis for it. The Bible says that you should remove the beam from your own eye before you pull the speck from the person you're talking to. If you've had any sin in your life that you have struggled with, which, by the way, we all do, and you share that you struggle with certain things, you're more likely to make a human connection with that individual, just like the sonogram makes a more human connection with the infant. But that's the one thing Satan doesn't want you to do. He will take your pride in what you personally do, and he will lock your jaw shut. And then what it comes across is, that goody two-shoes who never made a mistake, and I know they did, blah, 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 blah. Because very few sins are perfectly private. And so whenever we get through that, I find that is something I like to start conversations with. A perfect case in point, uh, I I made a mistake at work Tuesday. I thought I did everything right. I mean, I did everything, checked all the boxes, and I still made a mistake. So that customer impact got put in. I'm the area manager visiting at another pharmacy, and I have held these people accountable for making mistakes. I have two options in that scenario. I can pretend it didn't happen, I can make excuses for it, or I can own it. So that entire pharmacist team got an email last night from me that said, this is where I went wrong. I confirmed customer location, I confirmed drug name, I confirmed procedure name, I confirmed activity, I even confirmed the syringe. And the customer said, yes, 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 yes. Wrong isotope. I'm not trying to be too scientific there, wrong isotope, wrong customer name. That particular customer has two different departments. She just said the first name, she didn't say the second name. So I owned it, I was like, hey, listen, I should have asked two more questions, I want you to confirm two more things. The point I'm getting at is I find people are more willing to share their vulnerabilities if you're willing to share your vulnerabilities. That's how I tend to start conversations. Yes, I end up with a lot of black eyes. Okay, it's okay. We're all human. And so with all that being said, I want to share what Jonathan said in the back. Uh, Jonathan Green and I had a, I just walked through and I found someone that was kind of hanging out by themselves because of the way the crowd, the way it's settled out. Sometimes you end up sitting by yourself and classes like this are real awkward when that happens. So I walked up to him and I said, hey, what you thinking? And he had his Bible open. He was reading when I walked up to him and he shared some thoughts and some points I wanted to make and then I'll open up for further discussion because I want to hear from more of the class. But he said, I, and he said, I'm thinking of what happened with David and Bathsheba. And I was like, okay, do tell. He said, there was fornication, there was sin, David knew better, did it anyways. Bathsheba was apparently a willing participant in this as well. Then there was murder, which is eerily similar to abortion, right? Even though the baby was saved, someone else's life was taken to fix the sin, which is always the case. If you try to fix sin with sin, it just gets worse. And David was ultimately punished for that. That baby died, right? Now, God didn't abort the baby. God called that baby home. That baby is living a great life up in heaven right now. But the point he was making was, David had to have someone come to him and go, you did something wrong. And that particular example I find fascinating because he used an illustration to prove David he was wrong. So I thought that was a very intriguing and wise decision, but the one thing I really appreciated what Jonathan said, he said, we keep talking about the woman. There's two people that tangoed here. If we only focus on the woman and forget the dude, we are not being fair. And I have known women that have been told by men... I don't want the pregnancy, you got two choices. You get nothing from me, or you abort the baby. And it's like, man, it's a terrible choice. So, guys, if you mess up, own it. Don't cover it up. Which leads me to a discussion that we had, that Missy and I had, that I'll share a little bit with, about abortions that occur because of adultery. And that's a subject that affects people more of the age that's in this room and not our teenagers, which we've been talking about. And where I'm going with that is, again, you use a sin to cover up another sin, you are David and Bathsheba. That's a really, really big deal. And so don't pretend like this is a teenage issue. In fact, I'm using the teenage issue because it's the one we see. And I think we need to use our eyes. Most people don't know that the vast majority of abortions are in women over the age of 20, not below the age of 20. This is an adult issue, not a teenage issue. Yes, it happens in teens, but it's more likely to happen in grown-ups as opposed to teens. So before we get to looking and it's only here, don't kid yourselves. It's not just there. It's, it's in more places than just that. Uh, now. What else? A guy shared his. We talked about conversation. I shared what Jonathan said. Anything else that happened in your discussions with the people or your thoughts as you were seeing there around how you would have that conversation or where you might go? Mm-hmm. You have to stop you have to stop the sin before you get to covering up the second sin, to your point. So what, what Marilyn was saying was we've got to make sure our young people get these conversations and these topics covered. Um I won't share the whole detailed story, but I I remember I was teaching a teen class at Gloucester Street one time and I I got I got very, very, very blunt with that group of teens. And I have had people in that class that came up to me years later, I'm talking they're married with kids, and said, that class made a difference. Now say, I say, I, I sometimes can get too blunt. That's a problem I have. But in that scenario, they are hearing and talking about things so much worse than I would ever say in a classroom setting. If you think, if you are under the belief that talking about it will somehow give them the idea to do it, you are mistaken. I'll say that again, if you think talking about it will give them the idea your head is in the sand and you do not live in the world that those teenagers live in. I'm still thankful mine still talk to me and I'm going to tell you what is shared on group messages, between teams, between friends, etc. You would be astounded. But I'll tell you this, I would rather know what my sons are being exposed to then pretend it didn't happen because I can't teach them if I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so what Marilyn said was the majority of kids now are seeing this sin happen in front of them in their own house. And they're not getting this, this discussion at home. And I'm going to tell you something else. The single most hypocritical group of people on the planet is Hollywood. Now, I'm not talking about sexual misconduct right here. I'm talking about just rewind and watch a movie made in the 90s with today's politically correct filters put on it, it would never make it past the cutting floor, and it's the same people preaching both sides of the message. They made money on it in the 90s because people laughed at it. Now in the 2000s, it's vulgar and your career should be ended for it. But what's interesting is, my dad talks about this a good bit. Have you ever noticed that what our children get exposed to is they're taught to do it all in reverse? To make sure you love someone, you have sex with them first. Then if that goes well, if that goes well, then you move in together for a while. And if that goes well, then you have the kid, and you might get married last. That's what they see 100% of the time on everything they're watching. And prove to me I'm wrong. Start paying attention. Satan is fighting the war. The war. And by the way, he's winning. Mm-hmm. Not to get married. It's backwards in the way it should be. Yeah, absolutely, so the government actually creates, uh, and and I think you're referring to taxes and other issues and advantages that you have if you're married versus if you're not married and have a child. Um, What? I didn't hear the program. Oh, Wick. yeah, 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 I'm very familiar with that. I'm sorry, go ahead. So if we know, if we know that that's how our government operates, we have to fill the gap. Because it is wrong of us if we know they're financially incentivized to live in sin. We have to find a way to help that. Now everybody's like, "Uh uh-oh, that got real personal. Yeah, I know, it did. Okay, I'm not saying you go out and pay everybody else's bills, but, you know, that doesn't mean you can't tell the guy Hey, got some got some work that needs to be done outside. You want to come work, I'll pay you ten dollars an hour or whatever. Of course nowadays it's gonna be fifteen to eighteen dollars an hour. But the point I'm getting at is we can fill that void without just throwing stuff at them. So there's two different ways. And I don't I believe that work should be encouraged and we're required. I don't think it should just all be handouts, just to be very, very clear. So when I say that, don't think I'm just saying that's the only way you should do it. But we can't pretend that it's not a real problem that we have. Uh, with that. And I, I will say this we should be shrewd as, shrewd as serpents and gentle as doves, and that's tough in this scenario, but I think that's one that's a, that's a very, very good one. And what I hope this does, and we're about to run out of time again, what I hope this does is I hope if, it, if you haven't thought critically about this issue, that it's helping you realize it's a very complex issue. The answer is very straightforward. Like, what is right, what is wrong? Very straightforward. But Satan throws so many temptations that it looks almost impossible to make the right decision for for a lot of folks. Uh, Scenario four, um, I don't think we have time to get into tonight. So, I'm going to skip scenario four and go to reality. I'm going to go to what I call reality check. And I already touched on this that the vast majority of abortions do not occur in teenagers. The vast majority of abortions occur in people that are older. And I'll be honest, um, in that 30 to 40 year old group, I, I really appreciate some conversations I had with Missy. I'd always assumed the 30 to 40 year, year old group was primarily due to birth defects. That's what I thought was happening. Yeah, she's like, oh, absolutely not it's adultery, it's, we don't want to have the kid because we're older, we already have other plans going on in our life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She said, no, that's not the case at all. And so you can't get that honesty on a website. You just can't. But you can get that from a front line, from a front line person. And so where I'm going with this is, and I appreciate Marilyn's comments about our teens, we are losing, we are losing greater than 50% of our teens. 80% of our kids, we're losing them. If we don't teach them, whose fault is that? It's ours. And it's in the home. And I'm going to tell y'all something. My my nieces and nephews and my children, they love to pester my mom. Like they think it is the best thing ever. Now, mom and mom retired as soon as McKenna, my oldest niece, was born. And she has made her grandkids a, a central portion of her life now. And that's just what, that's what her main focus is. But what I really appreciate is, is she's teaching them important stuff all the time. The funny thing is, and where I'm going to end the class with is this. One of made my brother-in-law likes to film my mom doing funny things, um, particularly when she's on one of her lectures, because she can talk. I don't know if y'all don't know Cindy Farr, but I love you, Mom, but she can talk. And he was filming her one day while she was fixing to eat a bowl of really hot soup, and she actually burned her mouth, so that's why this was funny. But she was telling this story about, they, I don't remember what question was asked of her, but her response was, I knew a set of parents that had four kids that all turned out the way I would like for my kids to turn out one day. In other words, all four of them turned out strong Christians, good folks, etc. So I asked her, What's your secret? And she said, I never stopped teaching. I'm just going to let that set in for a second. We're told in Deuteronomy that we're to never stop teaching. The world is never, they're never going to stop teaching that sin is okay. So we have to counter that because we can never stop teaching. If it's uncomfortable for you to have a conversation with your children or your grandchildren, that is Satan making you uncomfortable. Once the conversation starts, the comfort will come, I can assure you. I'll give my dad some credit real quick. One of the best things my dad ever gave me, he said, I was told by a man that raised healthy kids, if you want your kids to listen to you when they're 16, listen to them when they're 6. Y'all, Isaac never shuts up. But I know everything about his life, or most of the things about his life. Because I took that advice to heart. You want your grandkids and your kids to listen to you, listen to them. No matter what the subject is, no matter how stupid the subject is, it's important to them. And if you want them to listen to you, listen to them. And make every chance you have to teach about this subject. And the subject, by the way, is actually not abortion. The subject is fornication. And that's where we're going to start next week. Thank you so much for a great class. Hope you have a great week.